Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bravo Outsider. I'm your host, Craig Midwinter, and with me as always is my co-host, Dylan Ferguson. Dylan, how's it going? Hi. Yeah, doing fine. Um, back in my usual home in Tadoussac, but I'm recording from my office this evening. So uh, nice to see Bravo you Bravo Outsider headquarters. Yeah, that's right. It does kind of look like I'm in like a like a, a server farm here. This is yeah. where <laughs> this is the headquarters of the show. We, we host it in this room, and the room next door is where we sell ketamine to Russia. well each week we bring on someone who doesn't follow bravo make them watch the show and get their takes this week's outsider is a real hunk of comedy it's matt nightingale i'm matt nightingale get the pino ready because it's turtle time (laughs) i like that i like the ramona singer reference there Wow, you! Holy shit, you really! <laughs> You're not gonna get one bad show. Trust me, <laughs> that's crazy. I, I I didn't catch that. I thought that was Dana Carvey. Uh, that <laughs> totally went past. <laughs> So, Matt, uh, one thing that we like to do with everyone that comes on, just get a little bit of background yeah. on what your experience with reality TV is, what you've been exposed to. Yeah, uh, not a ton. I uh, watched season, I want to say season two of Survivor when it came out back in like 2000, 2001. Um, I watched intermittently a recent season of uh, Celebrity Big Brother with the guy oh, from which Sugar. Season? The one where the guy from Sugar Ray was on it. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I think uh, that was like season one. Was that season one? I think it was season one of Celebrity Big Brother. Okay, yeah. Um, and then other than that, yeah, nothing much. The odd episode of Amazing Race. But usually oh, the competition okay. ones. So this one was like, huh? Yeah, it's a real uh, real different genre. Than, yeah. You know, the, the competition. Yeah, um, oh, yeah. Yeah, so we're we're gonna today we're gonna talk about Real Housewives uh, Ultimate Girls Trip uh, episode four of season three and the most recent episode of Real Housewives of New Jersey. Um, let's let's get right into it. Um, let's talk about Real Housewives uh, Ultimate Girls Trip. Um, Matt, do you want to just like give us your first impressions of all the women on this trip? Yeah. Uh, so. I, I liked this. I thought this was a good introduction uh, for me because it's like the all-star game. So I get to see everybody, it seems like, at uh, at their best in mid-season stride. Um, yeah, it, it's it, to me, I, I liken it a lot to like wrestling where it's like they're, they have their characters and the point of being there is just to be there. There's really nothing other than the fight yeah yeah absolutely it's definitely like a condensed down version of you know uh what the real housewives that's a franchise is and i'm sure mm. um you saw quite a bit of context from new jersey which has some of the most like longest running uh deeply entrenched drama of all the franchises like yeah there's like family like blood feud on new jersey whereas right. real housewives ultimate girls trip is you know a bunch of women that mostly don't know each other that are thrown into duke right. it out that's why i liked it is because i didn't know any of them or any of the backstories but that didn't seem to matter too much like i did go back and watch some episodes before the one that you guys assigned me to uh, but I feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much, I get it to some extent. There's some stuff that I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But yeah. 
for sure. Uh, did you have any highlights from uh, the episode that stood out to you? Uh, well, like somebody's in going to jail in Utah. Yeah, <laughs> they kind of buried the lead on that one. It's a whole thing, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Jen Shaw, who's uh, one of the cast members of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, um, mm. she's going to prison for I think seven and a half years now. Her sentence was reduced. But she was like the kingpin of one of those telephone scams that scam old people out of money. So what? She, yeah, it's crazy. So that's who's on the other was, side of those calls. A housewife, yeah. a yeah, real housewife, one, real housewives of Salt Lake City. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she, um, there was like a huge like sting operation, and uh, it's funny because on one of the episodes in season two of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, yeah. they're all getting ready for like to go on a, a cast trip yeah. and they're waiting in like one of the the vehicles to go in the parking lot of where they're all supposed to depart from. Yeah. And all of a sudden a whole bunch of like uh, federal uh, officers like converge on the parking lot of this like beauty salon that one of the other housewives own and they're like looking for her. No and, way. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, truly a, a crazy event within the bravo sphere wow they must have loved that bravo oh yeah for oh, sure for sure oh, oh yeah so then okay yeah the, the feds probably loved it too like, yeah, oh, the feds love that yes <laughs> well the feds uh, probably loved having so much footage to go through to like try to piece together oh. because her assistant was also like um indicted in this and he ended up like flipping they got a whole bunch of people to flip on jen shaw and she ended up like she was like the big fish that they want to take down right including it seems one of the ladies that's on girls trip flipped on her or so, maybe that that seems like that's what the, the argument or that's what the discussion is um sort of so well she wasn't involved and she didn't like flip but she was like her friend like and was like standing by her until the the trial and then eventually standing Jen too close Shaw. to her within striking distance right yeah. that's how she got a black eye apparently <laughs> yeah. right really? yeah okay and Jen Shaw ended up like pleading guilty and it was like apparently surprising to Heather even though right. it seemed like there was like hugely overwhelming evidence against Jen hmm okay all right uh. Yeah, I mean, other than that, for highlights, I mean, the whole massage part where everybody's really getting the, their moan on was a little. Those massages <laughs> looked intense. I'm not a massage they expert, did. but what the hell was going on there? They're crawling all over them, like fucking getting entwined in their limbs and yeah, shit. Yeah, giving them like backbreakers and stuff. It looked dangerous. It looked like, yeah, it looked like the kind of chiropractor appointments that like a week yes. later you collapse dead. Uh, because all your discs are out of alignment. I don't know. Maybe this is all like like really certified professional grade shit. I don't know anything about Thai massages. Maybe is that a type of massage where where I live? If it's a Thai massage, there's like implied air quotes on there, around the word, <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so you know, I I'm going to assume they know their business, but those massages looked insane. Yeah, yeah. So I'll give them a pass for for letting uh, a few sounds slip there. <laughs> yeah, especially Giselle's like cha cha ja. What the fuck ja. is that? What <laughs> yeah. the hell? That is that to me is funny because like she is such a shit disturber. Can I swear on this? Oh yeah. Okay. She is such a shit disturber that you'd think and she seems like pretty well like she has a pretty manicured uh character uh for lack of a better term. So you'd think that she would check that 
Like she seems to be the type of person that would have nothing that you can use on her, and she's giving them a little bit there, maybe. Yeah, yeah not, you know, not the first time in this trip that she's been called out for making weird noises. But I guess, like, like you say, Matt, which she's pr- generally pretty controlled in terms of what she mm-hmm. says. Like she knows her job really well. So I guess if you can't really pick apart her words, you can at least pick apart the nonverbal sounds that come out of her mouth. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I yeah. think like if she's going to give up something, that's a relatively like safe thing to give up. So yeah, maybe that's right. kind of yeah. you know why you, she you was can't doing argue it. about that for like three episodes. It's true. It's true. <laughs> it's still she's still pretty Teflon at this point in my mind. I, yeah, I haven't seen her in any other seasons or or whatever. But yeah, if yeah. you do that much like shit deserving, obviously like pressure is going to build up against you. So giving them like a little bit of a release valve to like pick on her for making these sure, like stupid yeah. sounds is probably an easy way to like diffuse some of that right uh, you're yeah, saying yeah. she even planned the sounds out craig All right, yeah i see this this yeah. is ah. this is that uh, i think she is, right there yeah. yeah giselle is a mastermind and we are she getting is. to witness she is. this she is you know what really stood out to me too was like just at the beginning of the episode when uh candace and leah are just sort of like giving each other like a pep talk before breakfast mm. in, oh, in the yeah. hotel room it's like god damn what a life like you have to, you have to have a pep talk before you go down to breakfast with your friends. Yeah, this is, what, a, what an exhausting life. Well, there's like there's a history between Candace and Giselle since they come from the yes. same show, and yeah. it seems like Giselle has done such a good job um, pitting everyone against each other and like kind of staying out of it on this trip. And Candace knows like she needs someone on her side, even if it's yeah. like just leah who i think has been doing like pretty well on this trip she's someone that gets like a lot of hate as a housewife Mm -hmm. for reasons that i don't really fully understand because i Mm. think she's like fairly effective um but yeah candace sees the need for an ally and so you know she's latched on to leah and, and vice versa too. Like Leah also needs an ally, and they right away from the the when you first introducing them into the hotel, they right away identified each other as allies. Yeah, yeah maybe maybe even before that because they brought like matching like Spice Girl outfits to wear in their <laughs> weird like confessional look. Oh yeah, I was gonna say that they looked like like characters in a '90s fighting game. <laughs> like, <laughs> they, they have some wild outfits. They're, they're joint confessional. <laughs> yeah, that's funny because like. When I figured out, like, a lot of these women were coming in pairs from different shows, I thought, well, at first I thought, well, now they have a built-in ally. But that's actually a built-in enemy for most of them, right? Yeah. Like, uh, who is it, Candace and Giselle? Yeah, they are clearly, like, knew that they were going to be butting heads. Same with uh, the Utah ladies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you you can see how it can go both ways. Like yeah. um, you've got the Miami girls, Alexia and Marisol, who are tight. They're a tight They're, unit. They are tight. They're a very yeah. tight unit. You know, Giselle and Candace have have difficult history, and then you've got the Salt Lake City girls who come in. Uh, and like r- at the start, they're doing some dorky ass, like pinky swear where they're kissing each other's thumbs or yeah. something, just like <laughs> yeah. the nerdiest, yes. like schoolgirl yeah. will be friends forever. Ever stuff and then like cut forward two episodes later and they're fucking angrily eating scorpions at each other just staring <laughs> daggers across the table <laughs> yeah that scorpion thing was bizarre <laughs> yeah yeah i thought that the scorpion game was a like a really excellent we've seen a lot of games on this trip yeah. and this scorpion game is like very unique in it, the it realm redeemed of, like, like the 
the section of Portia planning the activities because the earlier yeah. activities that Portia had were just like really lame. And yeah. just like just like pretty half-assed, like trying to get a party started stuff. But once they bust out the scorpions, it was like, all right, here we go. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just Every asking extremely specific pointed questions and yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great stuff. Totally. I'm, yeah. I'm gonna do that at a party one of these days. To really, just <laughs> yeah, yeah. And... Tell me the truth or eat a scorpion. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was good. I like. I think Candace might be one of my, or she might be my favorite. I think because she's sort of like she seems like the uh, the people's hero in the sense like she doesn't seem to be the shit disturber, but she seems to have the skills and the inclination to go tit for tat with Giselle. And yeah. and with Portia too, so that's kind of why I, I, I'm kind of team team Candace. Yeah, Candace has like Candace is on a bit of a victory lap right now. Um, she has had like a lot of edits that have kind of made her the villain because she's like pretty like reactive. Like she doesn't go and you know start shit or stir the pot, but she mm-hmm. does like react very strongly and very emotionally. Yeah. And that's kind of been her role. And it hasn't like painted her in the greatest light with within the fan base. But in my opinion, she's always been an excellent housewife. And this past season she got like a great edit and she was like clearly in the right in this conflict that she's had with Giselle. And so from it went from like a whole bunch of fans being like get her off the show like why is she here to everyone being like oh candace is like our our queen now oh really so watching this trip which takes place like this trip took place after potomac wrapped their like main season but before they had done the like the reunion that they usually do that they tack on at the end of the season okay so um to see this kind of victory lap extended was um pretty interesting because this the timing actually works out for all three of the franchises that um that have pairs on the show so miami and salt lake city also this took this trip took place in between like their seasons filming and and the reunions so Mm -hmm. you're seeing like some of that dust has settled and other things are kind of like brewing up to the surface so i think that that is one of the elements that is making this a a really interesting girls trip because you're seeing all this drama from the seasons that had just played out kind of emerging and like you know being dredged up right yeah totally Hmm. yeah yeah those miami ladies they're tight and they they seem like ducks in a pond you know like everything water off their back you know yeah like as long as Marisol doesn't drink herself to death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they are really tight. Um, and they've got probably the longest history out of all of them since um, their show started like 10 years ago and ended up taking like an eight-year hiatus. Mm. Um, but they, they were there from the beginning. So they do have like a very long history with each other. And I thought it was interesting because... You know, you do see all the other girls that have history with each other. They like when they fight, they're like fighting. But like Alexia and Marisol, it was a very like sibling like squabble. That's the only thing that you see them. They that's kind of Mm. the only way that they butt heads when they were, you know, kind of nipping at each other when they went back to the room and um, 
Pepsi hadn't cleaned up the room and Marisol yeah. was complaining about it yeah. and Alexia yeah. was pissed off about her complaining. Yeah. Yeah. That didn't even strike me as a conflict to be quite honest. But, yeah, yeah. Minor bickering. Yeah. Yeah. They seem very like, um, uh, what's the word? Um, diplomatic. Like they'll, they'll empathize with, with people independently but they won't necessarily side with them which seems to be like a strong uh strategy for them they, they're not inserting themselves deeply into the games i don't think they're like you said like ducks yeah. on the surface of a pond that's a good image like they're kind of just hanging out a little bit uh yeah at a little bit of a remove compared to some of the other ones i think um what was your take on the conflict between heather and whitney oh those are the salt lake city girls yeah right so i don't quite understand what's going on like so heather's leaving the mormon church or claims to be or in is a book. she yeah right i think and that's basically what it's all based that's on, what it's really. all about yeah. okay and whitney's just is like you got to be official about this i don't know. i i guess i don't understand why it's such a big deal but I, i'm not mormon yeah, and I think that reaction is shared by a lot of people on the show too, who are who are kind of like really invested yes. in taking sides the first time it came out because it was yes. like obviously a thing they both cared about a lot. Yeah. And then when it came up again, you could see a lot of them being like, "Okay, I don't, I have a hard time like having stakes yeah. in this game because yeah. it's a very Mormon thing." Totally. Obviously, it it means a ton to Whitney. Like, um, you yeah. know, she talks about trying to separate from the church for like fifteen years or something, which do, uh, which does sound fucked. Like, oh yeah, the yeah, way sure. she described oh, yeah. it was crazy. And she was raised in this community and everything, so yeah. obviously it's a huge deal for her, like yes. for sure. Um, from for like an outsider though, it's hard to like understand what that yeah. the meaning is. So it doesn't necessarily tr- translate right. greatest drama. Yeah. Uh, she she definitely. Um, kind of uh scored a point against heather there because heather was really strongly implying that she's also been trying to separate from the mormon church then just kind of let slip to portia that like oh no i haven't actually done that at all so um right uh, so in in terms of like calling her out in a lie whitney has a strong case there uh in terms of like the actual basis of the drama i'm kind of with some of the girls being like all right not don't really care anymore at this point it's yeah, little, yeah. it's it's it's, I, it's big stakes for you a little hard for me to get invested when i don't really know what you're talking about right the yeah talking about the role all the time okay yeah. I'll, I'll google it eventually i guess yeah. the <laughs> but, but it, it was enough for giselle to plant the question in reasonable or sketchy uh to get that popping off which was which is what makes giselle such a like a great player like as much as i grew to dislike her i i know there's no show without her and without yeah right but like that's her true genius it seems is like she kind of incepted the that conflict right like she brought it up and then just watched watch the puppets dance yeah (laughs) and you see her doing that throughout the entire trip and like basically every every setting she's a master at it yeah i thought that this conflict was one thing that like uh stood out as an example of how the salt lake city girls are again outclassed on on this trip totally. they really like you know it's the one conflict that they are latched on to and yeah. you know uh, you can tell everyone else is getting bored with it and like mm-hmm. find something else to fight about i think porsche even says in a confessional like you know can't you 
find something else to talk about. This is yeah. all you want to all, all you want to talk yeah. about. Yeah. Um, it really reminds me a lot of like seasons of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills when they kind of had a bit of a slump where the the cast would just latch onto a single single issue and make the entire storyline of the season revolve around just that. Right. And it ended up being a very like feeling very flat, even though there was high drama, it would still felt flat because there was no texture of other issues going on or any, mm. you know, mm-hmm. um, you got to have you some know, no triumphs or anything like that. It was always, everything was focused on Lucy, Lucy, apple goosey, this dog. <laughs> that's a thing. Yeah, that's a thing. That's so. <laughs> the story of so Lucy, they Lucy, said Lucy, apple Lucy, apple goosey a lot that season <laughs> yeah, on TV. They did. Yeah, you're not familiar angrily, with Lucy, angrily? goosey, apple goosey, yeah. gatey gate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Um, yeah. So uh, Lisa Vanderpump, who was a housewife on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, uh, she's runs this like no kill dog shelter, and she gifted a dog named lucy lucy apple goosey or apple juicy or something like that (laughs) and uh she gifted it to another housewife who was apparently her close friend and then dorit this housewife that got lucy lucy apple juicy uh ended up this dog was like nipping at her kids or something like that so she gave it away to a kill shelter (laughs) oh (laughs) and lisa found out and yeah so that's what the the big conflict was (laughs) wow yeah okay yep yeah i i agree i feel like those uh the mormons sound fascinating now yeah they they are uh getting out class they're sloppy players i feel like uh like heather like she should have known better than to try and to say to the other uh to to the other women like let's try and get leah drunk like she should have if she wanted to sabotage leah she should have gone about it in a much more you know nonchalant way yeah and then also like you know we're going back a couple episodes here but also no that's fine totally uh but also like a a little bit later she said something on i think on the boat where she was like oh i've had friends who were like recovering alcoholics and i slipped them drinks and it's just like she she comes off as being so nakedly unethical yeah and just like she she's such like a strategizer they're all strategizers but she just like seems like i i called her like a really like linkedin vibes kind of person in the, in the last episode <laughs> yeah. I think. And, 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 and that like just kind of dorky obvious like planning and strategizing with like zero ethical basis whatsoever mm-hmm. uh you maybe could describe a lot of people on these shows like that but just how like blatantly obvious it is with her yeah. is just a bad look <laughs> yes, yeah totally yeah and whitney too is like she'll she was ready to show off that picture with the black eye at the drop of a and just because she wants to get in the good graces of uh of uh giselle and uh portia like heather was right about that i think oh yeah uh, i'm a bit of a like a, a whitney apologist i think that she's great and i feel like the black eye thing she knows that it's run its course and is boring now but Mm. she's looking for something other than this like mormon role thing to talk about so i feel like that that's some of the reason i think she's less responsible for you know uh salt lake city being you know underclass but even even still there's like it's absolutely to get in the good graces and and make yeah you know alliances 
Yeah, I mean, that said, look, they had the FBI swarm them in their own show, so they're doing something wrong slash right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I don't know. But yeah, like Whitney just seems to me like she's searching for some sort of identity and she, and she needs something to latch on to. And that's what she's trying to do there. But yeah, she has no allegiance or, or uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, Dylan, what, what were your highlights for uh, the Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip? Um, other than uh, Whitney and Heather locking guys and eating scorpions uh, angrily, which was <laughs> so good again. Uh, my highlight was like when they're they making that like on the same uh, conversation when they're making that like OnlyFans joke. Uh, and Marisol describes presumably uh, jacking off as rubbing the suit off your papaya. <laughs> that that is an absolute like all timer Hall of Fame Marisol yes. line. This this woman is one of our greatest poets. I I, yes. I I absolutely love her. So that that's the best part of the episode by far for me. Yes. Um, yeah. Otherwise, um, I I don't know. That's like um, I I do think the Salt Lake City girls are like uh, not you know we'll keep talking about them a little bit. I guess I do think that they are just justifying their presence a little bit more because they are getting uh, a little more interesting. You know, I, I, I said before, I wasn't even really sure why they're there. Uh, now I'm starting to enjoy like how, um, how dorky they are, but like how fun it is when these, these like valedictorian, like kind of Tracy flick dorks, like get really pissed at each other. Mm-hmm. It's, it's starting <laughs> to, it's starting to be fun. Uh, and then the fact that it ends uh, with Whitney, like promising to, dial up our campaign uh yeah gives me hope that this might have uh might have more to offer if they can just stop talking about the fucking roles yeah it, it might be good stuff i was also on the topic of salt lake city i was also excited that we got like a, a facetime cameo from lisa barlow who is um one of the shining stars of real housewives of salt lake city um you know there wasn't much to it just you know uh Whitney giving her the download and basically being like, Oh, I, I assigned too much loyalty to the fact that Heather brought me on the show. And I realized Mm -hmm. that it has like biased me towards you. Um, I thought that that was like kind of a nice conversation to get um, as a fan of real housewives of Salt Lake city. And just, I always love seeing Lisa even, you know, just, just for a moment. Yeah, yeah, it, it it deepens their conflict too to have uh, have another person uh, chime in. I I would say um, one thing I would urge you to check out. Um, Whitney has a very like distinct voice and cadence, and so yeah. does like yeah. Lisa Barlow. Um, Vanessa Bayer, who was on uh, SNL, is a big Housewives fan, and she um, she appears on Watch What Happens Live, the uh, talk show that's on Bravo. And there is a segment you can find where she does like a um, a scene as both of them, like going back and forth. And she just absolutely nails their oh, their wow. voices and cadence. Nice. It is it is hilarious. I, I definitely recommend looking that up. I love that. I will. I, yeah. Vanessa Bayer is so funny. She's so great. Oh, yeah. She's amazing. Is there anything that's going to get uh, is there anything that's going to get a wedge in between Portia and Giselle? like um i that's a good question i don't think so i don't think the trip is like long enough so they weren't on the same show but it like they weren't on the same real housewife show but they mm-hmm. were on a show together they there was another talk show that was on bravo 
uh, called the chat room during COVID, where it was uh, Giselle, Portia, and then Kate Chastain, who was on Below Deck, who is one of the best real reality personalities, in, in my opinion, and a girl from uh, Summer House. Um, they would you know, talk about various Bravo things. Um, they were on that for a while. So they, they do have like a bit of a history and um, they seem to have a genuinely good connection. Not that that mm-hmm. necessarily means anything mm-hmm. in housewives because right. that gets blown up all the time. But I don't right. think that this trip is long enough to like blow up that relationship. Same with, you know, Alex, Alexia and Marisol. I think that right. their like alliance is, you know, too close for that to get blown up and yeah. probably like too important to the show like it uh, uh to real housewives of miami if if that relationship was going to get blown up alexia and marisol that is um they would want that to happen on real housewives of miami not real housewives <laughs> Girls Trip. right yeah mm-hmm. that's right i mean those two don't seem like they're they don't have no real machinations though like uh giselle and uh Porsche do so I, I could see them you know self-destructing their relationship as, as opposed to Marisol and uh, Alexia yeah for sure but um did either of you guys have any further thoughts on Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip before we move on to New Jersey I'm good on my end yeah no we can move on all right um yeah so on Real Housewives of New Jersey this was a great episode, in my opinion. I mm-hmm. um, always love when we get a um, a fortune teller of some sort. I think that that is <laughs> yes. a great plot device that they <laughs> they use occasionally in Bravo. And uh, this was no exception. This was like an all-star fortune teller event. Oh, my God. This fucking fortune teller. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the thing is about her, like... Uh, I mean, I don't want to shit on anybody's like uh, fondness for spiritual spirituality or occultism or whatever the <laughs> fuck. That shit's cool. I'm not gonna go like Reddit atheist and start still saying that's that's fake or whatever the hell. What that's cool. I love that stuff. Um, but I think like anybody, even somebody who's very sensitive and open to uh, spiritualism, will see this person as a, just a fucking cheap cold reader doing like you know the cold reading equivalent of like pick a card like very entry level stuff uh <laughs> and uh, you know cold reading is an art like it's it's there are incredible uh, uh mentalists doing cold reading out there i'm sure you know you, you've probably seen clips on youtube or maybe a stage act or something some of these people are so fucking talented at the questions that they ask and the way that they can make statements that sound very precise while actually mm-hmm. being very general and uh, and can really create an impression of uh of drawing secrets directly out of someone's brain uh this woman this fucking nescafe miss cleo was not one of those people i don't know (laughs) what fucking craigslist ad jennifer responded to to find her or like what (laughs) facebook marketplace post or like handwritten sign taped to a telephone pole she answered to find her she sucks she's not good she's not good at this and and what makes it worse is that jennifer clearly fed her information and and yeah oh yeah and instead of like subtly incorporating it, she's clearly just spitting out specific words and yeah, phrases yeah, yeah. that Jennifer gave her, yes. completely blowing this wide open, making completely obvious that yeah. uh, that she's been fed information beforehand. Yeah, and Jennifer's <laughs> a terrible actor. We found yeah. out. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Oh uh, yeah, just uh, just uh, uh, an awful performance. I thought from the from the mentalist. I agree, it's great that she's there. Amazing that she's there, but she sucks at her job. She's bad. Yeah. I'm sorry if you're listening. You probably have like a bunch of other jobs, so I'm sure you'll be fine. You know, keep putting those Craigslist posts out there. Uh, but um, th- that you know, I, I feel bad for Jen in that moment too, because I think it's no secret I'm kind of on like Team Jen when it comes to her versus Margaret. I, I would like to see her her, her campaign uh, win, and, she, and I think she got some wins in this episode. Right, getting this at Dolores's house was a, was a caddy maneuver. That oh, Dolores yeah. agreed to. Uh, you know, Ma- Margaret realizes that right away when she uh, she kind of sits down and is like, "What's going on here?" And then having that capped off with Teresa inviting them on like the same day to be her bridesmaids, uh, Dolores and Jennifer, <laughs> like kind of creating a block there right in front of uh, Margaret's face. Uh, was great. So things were going good for Jennifer. Uh, you know, when the when the shitty mentalist is like looking at the coffee cup and is for Margaret and it's like, you know, I see in your future, like, a, I, I'm seeing an L. I'm like, yeah, you fucking do. Like, she's hitting the mat right here. But then... <laughs> But but then it just goes south for Jennifer because she does such a bad job and and she was just like and this is so obviously planted that this looks terrible for Jennifer. This is this is so, so going to be used against her. <laughs> yeah, yeah she, she she landed the Dolores endorsement. She landed the Therese endorsement. Then she had the Turkish Turkish coffee, got the shits, and needed the Charmin endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> was, what, 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 what was what was the deal about? this endorse these endorsements like what are we talking about there oh it was some line that uh yeah. margaret said i don't even remember what the line was it i was don't like kind remember of... what i was referring to specifically uh in terms yeah I'm, I'm kind of confused in what context it came up initially mm, okay i did think that marge's line about you know who's like endorsing you Charmin, because yeah. you've got 16 bathrooms yes. and you're full of shit totally. i thought that was like a amazing line of, that was a good like, score yeah 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 it just just from this episode, this is the only episode I got to see. Um, but I really liked Margaret. Like, I think she's got a really like sharp wit about her. Yeah, yeah. I think like she's definitely very sharp and very calculated. She comes across as very smart on a cast that doesn't have a lot of like schemers, and you know, mm-hmm. I don't want to say that they're not like as smart but they're definitely not as like calculated housewise right and so she definitely fills that role she's very like calculated she's you know thinking two three seasons out as opposed to like you know two episodes out yeah mm. oh yeah oh yeah her, her strategies are on a are on a high plane she knows where to apply her arsenal strategically so what was what what's the deal with danielle and her brother what like what's going on there so the story of danielle and her brother at least as far as we know on the show is that danielle i guess was trying to become like a tiktok influencer during covid or whatever and was like Mm -hmm. dancing and stuff like that and her brother kept like commenting like stuff insulting her on these posts that she was doing and so she blocked him and he flipped out and they stopped talking that's really well that's what she said so far and and some of the other women have decided that there must be more to the story Mm. uh at margaret's prodding i think or margaret's encouragement 
uh and to, jackie uh, too right. jackie too yeah, i think jackie was the first person who said it on camera but you see margaret kind of pick up the ball right away oh, okay as like a potential uh secret that could be maybe used against danielle if she's hiding part of the truth because mm. that's margaret's specialty is like finding out secrets about people and holding it over their heads uh, i see okay yeah, yeah, but one of my favorite parts was in a confessional when Jen was like, why you got to prod about about Danielle and her brother? Like, I'm not going to go asking questions like I'm Inspector Gadget. <laughs> yes. This is so funny because, like, like interrogation skills is the last thing Inspector Gadget is known for. Exactly. Like, famously dogged investigator Inspector Gadget. <laughs> He's got a helicopter in his hat. That's what he's known for. <laughs> Um, um, I'm really starting to like uh, Louis more and more. I know Craig doesn't want to hear this. Craig's very anti-Louis. I get it. Louis's weird. He's a fucking weirdo. That's why I like him, though. I'm just like really <laughs> coming around to how funny of a person this guy is. Uh, we already covered because um, it was in like the on the next episode, but we already covered the thing where he says that like I wear their grandfather's pajamas, uh, you know, I wear your kid's father's pajamas or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, like just like just how weird that is. But I just love that we've got this this fucking like meathead in like like distressed jeans and a tribal t shirt with his like spiked hair beat red face <laughs> pumped full of bad filler and botox uh little beady eyes who's determined to talk like he's like a purple aura empath tiktok therapist yeah. or something <laughs> I, I i think joe even says at one point like he, he keeps talking like he goes to a lot of therapy or something that's exactly what he's doing he's just like he just loves using therapy language or trying to use therapy language and try to like put out this personality of being like the the thoughtful empathetic conciliator and it just clashes so much with everything else about him that i that i find it beautifully hilarious i, I love this guy yeah you know i that makes me like reconsider you know is it that i don't like louis or is it that i don't like that you know, Joe Gorga has a correct read on someone. Like, I just <laughs> don't like giving a point to Joe Gorga. Oh, for sure. Know. For sure, I get that. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Like, yeah, Joe Gorga does have a correct read on him uh, in that he's like, you know, he's he's kind of playing at being somebody. I don't think that's really who he is. Fair. Joe's doing that, too. Oh, everybody, yeah. <laughs> everybody does that to a certain extent. That's part of being human. You project a certain personality, whatever. These guys do it a little bit more flagrantly than most people do. The thing is, the difference is that Joe Gorga is projecting exactly who you would expect him to be. He looks like and acts like exactly what you would expect Joey Gorga from Jersey to look and act like. <laughs> yeah. He is the most Joey Gorga from Jersey. You know, you, you put him in a charity ball game and uh, he's going to cut the sleeves off the jersey before he gets out there. You got him renovating his house in this episode. He's got to make fucking sure the cameras have him walking up in the scaffolding yeah. where he's so boyishly proud he almost falls out. Like, he's just so happy to be up there and just pretend that he's, he's you know, as tall as a regular person. And the, the fact that, that, that Joe Gorga is like, protect projecting like kind of like um you know muscle bound meathead macho dude uh you know pizza eating meatball joe from jersey uh it's an act he's playing but it's exactly the act that somebody in that social milieu 
is supposed to play. It's exactly what you'd expect. Meanwhile, Louis, who I suspect probably used to play at it being a character like Joe Gorga yeah. when he was younger, and at some point decided that while still, you know, wearing tap out shirts and like having that fucking 2000 <laughs> haircut and like, and still like having that fucking like raw meat face with his little crab eyes, he <laughs> decided that he's going to like do his best to talk to everybody like he's uh, like he's some therapist with a septum piercing in like a Greenpoint apartment with a bunch of cats and monstrosa plants and ambient music playing <laughs> and a copy of bell hooks at his desk. And he, he wants to do it so bad. And, and it's so funny. His like little soft voice, uh, conciliatory knees pressed together, uh, like gestures and is crying when they, when, when Joe and Melissa drive off all of this is just like a really funny act for somebody like that in that social milieu to to perform so joe's performing just as much as louis is louis just performing a very strange part yeah for who okay. he is i'll i'll start drinking the louis kool-aid on, on this you've <laughs> right. you've convinced me <laughs> uh one thing that you mentioned was the uh the tour that we got of joe and melissa's like new super ugly house i love right. that they were walking around and melissa picked out like just this one piece of molding as the ugly part but if you like see the exterior <laughs> of the house it looks like it's like generated by ai like one of those <laughs> yeah. image generations there's like way like too much going on yeah it looks yeah, like an abandoned yeah. country house yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah the, the facade was both way too like boring but also had like too many like spikes and triangles and stuff it just didn't make sense just a, just an awful like big bad shit yeah. uh another conflict that we haven't talked about yet is the one that is between danielle and rachel uh things really seem to be uh heating up a little bit um rachel obviously upset about being called a uh, a catty snotty bitch yeah, I, my my feeling that what happened is, you know, we had Danielle look, look like she was on uh, a crash course to go confront Margaret uh, as being the one who was trying to stir up shit around her background uh, correctly, I think. Uh, and I think she kind of realized right away she bit off more than she could chew. Uh, That's mm -hmm. like, you know, Margaret comes out right away uh, on the offensive, um, you know, wrong foots danielle right off the bat and danielle's like all right i'm just gonna fucking be mad at rachel instead because rachel's an easy target <laughs> that's kind of how i see it she just deflected her attentions to rachel because she was like okay i'm not actually ready to go full out against margaret right now i'll take out rachel because that's child's play yeah i mean yeah that's true i think that that would be a smart read there was some like gen um it did seem like genuine feelings when she was like talking about her, her history with being bullied in, in high school and, right, yeah. um, you know, kind of Rachel's mean girl energy. Like I, once she mentioned that, like I immediately kind of pick up on that, that dynamic from, from Rachel, um, you know, just the, the cattiness and sort of, you know, looking for someone to, to pick on. So I do think that it, you know, it probably is like twofolded. On one hand, it is strategic because way easier target than than Margaret. And uh, but I I do think that there's some you know genuine feelings there. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right about that. Uh, uh, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. 
Uh, you know, I was just going to say, um, I don't want to take up all the all the air here, but I, I did just want to say that I don't, I mean, this was the episode before, I think, where this came up, but I don't quite understand the Pizzagate thing. I don't quite understand what happened with the Pizzagate, the, the pizza restaurant. Uh, and I was just wondering if, Craig, you could maybe help me out with this, because I know that uh, Teresa says that Louis lost a quarter million dollars, and Joe says that they kind of stole it from him or something or ruined it for him what exactly happened there craig can you help me out with this yeah so it is like it is still a bit unclear as to what happened so it's actually it's not a pizza restaurant joe and melissa used to own a pizza restaurant um and this is some sort of like they wanted to like white label a box of like these pizza ovens so um you know basically like these pizza ovens home like kitchen gadgets that you could get off of like AliExpress that they would, you know, okay. rebrand and, and sell. And I guess, all right. Um, I didn't, I didn't understand that part of it anyways. Yeah. And so apparently this was Joe Gorga's idea was that he wanted to put this out as like no nose pizza mm-hmm. ovens. And um, he came to Louis and then Louis, um, he says that Louis screwed him out of it. And, uh, but it's unclear that Joe actually put anything up because the story is that, you know, Louie put up the money and got these like sent to sent to him. And then, you know, Joe didn't pay any money. Mm-hmm. And then they were trying to just sell them as Louie and Teresa and like skinny Italian or something, which I don't know, is a weird like playoff of Bethany Frankel's brand skinny girl or something. <laughs> I don't think there's an actual connection there, but it's hard not to make that that connection anyways yeah so it's kind of hard for you i could easily not make that connection (laughs) (laughs) uh no fair enough that's a good explanation that that i mean i guess we're still missing some information but that that makes a little more sense to me because i i I watched that section twice because i didn't quite figure out what was going on (laughs) yeah um so Teresa wasn't really in this episode but we did get a little bit of a facetime and we Obviously, we heard the announcement that uh, Dolores and um, Jennifer are going to be bridesmaids. This apparently came to Teresa in a vision she had while doing yoga. <laughs> right. I loved that. That was <laughs> yeah, so good. Detail. I and I think that this is probably like a more believable like prophecy than anything that came out of this this coffee fortune teller <laughs> yeah um, it's it's such a great way to avoid responsibility for a decision too right if somebody asks you to justify why you made that choice yeah. like, i don't fucking know that's what yeah. the spirits told me while i was doing yoga <laughs> and why is melissa so chewed up over this whole wedding thing okay so melissa is uh married to joe gorga and joe gorga is Teresa's brother so oh, it's see. a okay. family thing and um if you watch new jersey long enough you'll know that italian families have different rules and you know that is just not something you do you always have to invite your in-laws and you know you always make sure that melissa gorga is in your wedding and you always make sure that melissa gorga's parents are invited to, to your wedding that's yeah, just that's what italian in the italian constitution yeah. exactly those mm, lines yeah. okay <laughs> yeah i've got the wikipedia on it here so that's that's <laughs> verbatim <laughs> but i thought the the way that this was revealed was like really good the you know the reveal to the group and then they both kind of pivot and look directly at melissa for her, her reaction the music was perfect <laughs> yeah really good 
Is there yeah. a re- is there a reason she's being kept out of the, of the wedding? There's just like a long-standing like issues between uh Teresa and um Joe and Melissa basically. Mm. Um yeah, it goes back to like the early seasons of of Jersey and there's just I Joe and Melissa are, you know, they love like playing the victim and mm-hmm. um yeah, that's so the that's, other that's thing. part of it. Yeah, and that's you the know, other thing about, be... like, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I was going to say that's the other thing about, like, uh, Louis' like, very, like, supplicating manner towards Joe and Melissa that is, like, funny and kind of pathetic is that he, he's not going to ever change their minds. Like, yeah. Joe and Melissa, and Joe especially, they want to be mad about this. They want this feud with the, this feud uh, to continue uh you know joe doesn't want to reconcile with Teresa. he wants to drag this feud out that's what he wants to do he wants to be upset he wants to be offended he loves it you know when he gets told you know i think you were offended too and he goes 100 percent. you know he lives for that moment he <laughs> wants to keep this doing this so there's nothing louis could possibly do he's so dead set on playing this role but he, even if he like cut off his pinky finger and presented it on a little pillow like some like yakuza lieutenant who's like who's you know supplicating to a boss or something it's not going to change his mind nothing you could do would change his mind so that's why it's so like kind of silly and groveling for him to keep like hammering this one note at the expense of teresa who he like kind of brushes off um even though he's marrying her in 31 days uh 28 days he says later they've been fighting for three days uh during that episode which which it feels like it um, but you know, there's no way anything's going to ever come off this attitude. Like you're never going to change Joe and Melissa's mind, which makes it that much, much funnier that he like keeps dragging the act out so long. Yeah. Actually like putting on these new, like team Louie shorts that you got me Dylan. <laughs> I think that this is like an interesting development in, you know, this, this dynamic that we've seen on New Jersey for so long with, Teresa and Joe like it's always been you know it's always been fireworks and like you said Joe and Melissa they thrive on being the victims in in this situation so Mm. having this new presence come and he wants to like smooth it over and really Mm. like kind of take that away they don't really know what to do so that that does add an interesting element that yeah I'm now excited to see play out yeah, yeah, that's very true. That's very true. Uh, you know, Joe knows very well how to like go into full contact mode and like you know be become physically intimidating if he needs to. He's he's ready to do that at any time. He does not know how to react to to this like guy like whimpering therapy speak to him. Yeah, and be like, okay, well, can you? I want to make this right. Let's invite your parents. They're like, no, don't do that. Because yeah, exactly. They turn it down. They're like, no, (laughs) don't do the thing we're angry about you not doing. Because then you'll you'll take that away from us. (laughs) We want to be angry. Yeah, it's good. It's a funny dynamic. Um, Another thing that we got to see this episode was uh, Polly is out of surgery in recovery um and he's he's horny again apparently <laughs> very horny that guy yeah, yeah. That horny irishman yeah uh we're starting to see the build-up of the conflict between him and and frank brewing uh frankie frankie the, my boy frankie's been missing a couple episodes we need to get him back in there well he was he was out at the at the jersey shore and uh dolores was sort That's of debriefing right. Polly on 
you know, what happened. And Right, but that was like three uh, episodes ago by now, no? They just got back this episode. Okay. This was the, the, the first time that we, we got back from the Jersey Shore, I think. Okay, okay. Right. Yeah. Still, need 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 more uh, need more Frankie in there. Yeah. So it's like Dolores yeah. going on vacations with Frankie and stuff. Like, is this the type of relationship they have? So they had like a super close, um, you know, friendship post their divorce. Like, they were very close, and like Frank lives with uh, Dolores's ex, David, um, and so he was always used to that relationship being like really close as well. Uh, and it was like kind of a very like unconventional, but they're, you know, everyone's happy with how it mm. works out. And now Polly is obviously looking for, um, you know, a way more conventional relationship where he doesn't have to interact with Dolores's ex. But we did see like, you know, Dolores say that, Polly's ex calls him a bunch too. Yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah. One thing that I like, I thought was, you know, kind of interesting is like Dolores is really defensive about this relationship. She's like really protective of, you know, her relationship with Polly. And um, it does seem like a genuine like happiness. She feels like she seems lighter and like a, like a high school girl, even the way she talked about her, like, trip that she took to ireland with him about how it was like life-changing it really you know it reminds me of you know when um when someone after they graduate high school just goes off to europe and how it's like a life-changing trip you know the yeah. first mm-hmm. first big trip you take and um really getting that that she was vibe glowing her. through her spray tan yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is she, is this something she's going to use, uh, like this Ireland trip? Is she, like, she just got added to the bridal party, right? Uh, yeah, and, she and just got she, added, yeah. And now she's taking the horns on the bachelorette party? Yeah, I guess so. So they do, like, Dolores and Teresa have a, a long history of friendship, I think, prior to the show. Um, they knew each other in, in uh, high school. I think. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it, it does kind of make sense that she would do that. She seems like the genuinely closest person to Teresa. It was surprising that she wasn't in the bridal party to begin with. Um, but, yeah, that's it looks like she'll be taking the horns on the, the Bachelorette. Yeah. And, and, I'm, I'm, I'm on team uh, Dolores and Frank staying close. I don't see why there's, like... Um, a good reason why Frank should be frozen out of their life beyond like, just like stating that it's like a vague norm or something. Like I, I, I think it's cool when, when exes remain very close. It's nice. You know, you're, you're, you're close to somebody for a long time. Why does it have to stop? Because you're just not in a relationship anymore. And you know, I, 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 I don't think Frankie's as far as I can see is that anything so bad that like he should, he deserves to be frozen out. Like, you know, him and Dolores still seem to get along mostly. I mean, if she, if she doesn't want to hang out with him, she doesn't have to. But, like, I don't see why why Paul would, like, want that, want her to be shut out for some reason or another. Like, what's he done? What's he done? He just, he just yeah. wants to hang out with his buddy. I mean, it's it's interesting that, you know, Paul would come in here and really disrupt this. Not so much, like, 
not so much the relationship between Dolores and Frank, but like this would definitely have a disruption on how they like parent and interact with their kids because mm. you know having the type of closeness where you're all going up to the same like house on the shore together for like holidays and you know presumably like always having family dinners together on weekends and stuff like that and then to have someone come and be like no you gotta like cut that out it's like that's a like a family dynamic that you're yeah disrupting and i think that you know i think frank has reason to be um upset and mourn that loss for sure yeah he's maybe being a little more whiny about it than he should be I'll, I'll say that he's he is being a little whiny. You can see where that gets on Dolores's nerves, but uh, but I still don't see like the, a reason why he uh, why they should move towards freezing him out of the relationship. Yeah, but I mean, what can he do? He like he can't reach out to to Polly. Like that that door's closed. So he's like, you know, Dolores, try to try to fix it, and she's pissed off about him saying that. Like he, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Mm. Well, I hope we get some more of him next episode so we can see more of his uh his side of the equation. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Um yeah, so we had mentioned that this was a great episode for Jen. She seems to be building up some uh some alliances here. Uh we seem to get a bit more hinting at the cracks between her and Bill. Um there was a very what I I consider to be a very open and honest conversation between Dolores and and Jen over lunch when they decided yes. to um, make up again. Uh, what did you think about that, Dylan? Yeah, like you said, there was a there was a surprising uh, amount of honesty. It seemed in some ways. I I kind of expect that from. Um, uh, uh, I mean, for Dolores, to it, I think that she's kind of not playing the game as much. She's kind of, you know, uh, it, n- not as interested in this like Cold War between uh, Team Margaret or Jen as that Jen's trying to to bring about. Uh, but from Jen's perspective, yeah, she seemed to like be more openly emotional and less just purely strategizing. Where so far this season, it's just, it's just been a lot of like kind of steely, cold-eyed strategizing from Jen because she's decided that she has a target in sight. And that she's going to uh, try to bring as many people against Margaret as she can. So to see her kind of like let her guard down a little bit and become a little bit more honest about her her emotions, uh, which, as I mentioned before, I think she has a really hard time doing with Bill because Bill's not open to that. Uh, it's uh, it's good to see that it helps uh, it helps see her uh, you know her human side a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, did either of you guys have any other notes on Real Housewives of New? I think we about covered uh, my favorite bits. No, I just loved when Margaret said she was sweating from her twat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, that has been. <laughs> oh, that's the button. <laughs> um. Well, this has been the the Bravo Outsider for this week. Uh, Matt, do you want to let everyone know where they can find you? Uh, yeah, I'm uh, at Matt. Matt and comedy on uh, Twitter and TikTok. Those I'm on the T's. I'm only on the T's. Hmm. Or sorry, awesome. no Instagram. I'm not on Twitter. I'm not <laughs> only on the T's. Instagram. And, and uh, Dylan, how about uh, where can people find you? Uh, find back episodes of my horror movie podcast, uh, Mind Over Splatter, wherever pods are cast, uh, and. 
uh, is on Substack. I'm Dylan Ferguson, right about movies. Awesome. And we are on Instagram at Bravo Outsider and online at bravooutsider.com. Also this week, we'll be appearing on the Real Bitch of Bravo podcast. Looking forward to that, which should drop the same day as this. So after you're done listening to this. bitches. Yeah. <laughs> Go and check that out. <laughs> Until next time, keep it real. Keep on wiping.